everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Dr. Kathy King and I want you to know you are important to us. We are thrilled that you're here with us today for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. We're so pleased you're with us for our Writing Works Wonders event with none other than Tabitha Kenlin. We're so excited to have Tabitha with us today, beaming in from, you've got it, Dublin, Ireland, a tip of our hat for St. Patty's Day. And we're excited she's with us to talk about not only book clubs, but also to talk about reading for writing. We know you'll enjoy the fun. We are excited to gain thrilling insights about reading for writers how can we maximize our learning? Tabitha is known as a superb book club host, but did you know she's a former professor and is also an author? Today on Writing Works Wonders, get ready for another episode full of learning, laughter, and new ideas for readers and writers. So put some shamrocks in your hat. Pull out your favorite note-taking device and get ready for another adventure with your fellow bibliophiles at Writing Works Wonders. I'm Dr. Kathy King, wearing my favorite green shirt again today, and I'm so pleased to introduce you to my fabulous shamrock, I mean co-host, Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Hey, Kathy, and I have a fabulous co-host who's the master of the Blarney Stone, a master of the universe. Help <laughs> <laughs> me with that one. Good one. Surprise you. <laughs> Before we start, I do want to say congratulations to Carol Mackey. She is going to be published in the Breath and Shadows next issue. So congratulations to Carol. So take it away, Kathy. It's my great pleasure to introduce Zooming In from Dublin, Ireland, Dr. Tabitha Kenlin. Tabitha is a vital part of the ACB community and has a very exciting career. She's the author of Conduct Books and the History of the Ideal Woman. And she's a very well-known and superb ACB Community Book Club leader, and oh yes, a former professor. She earned her PhD at Northeastern University in English Literature and is pursuing a second master's degree in international relations at University College Dublin, Ireland. We're pleased to have her help us unpack tremendous insights about reading for writers as readers and writers today, if you follow all that. We want to discover more about maximizing our book clubs and other reading opportunities. Hi, Tabitha. Welcome. We're so glad you're here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm <laughs> delighted to be here. Yay. We know that you have just spent a week with your brother exploring Ireland. Do you want to share some of that with everyone? Yeah, one of the um, the perks of being in school, I guess, is spring break. Um, and I actually have a two-week spring break. So I spent this week writing essays for school. And I spent last week Zooming around Ireland with my brother. He's a brave, brave young man. And he rented a car and immediately learned how to drive on the left side of the road. And we had a fun and accident-free week. And it was a lot of fun. 
Well, that's good. I'm certainly glad it was accident free. <laughs> Such great memories making with your brother. When COVID began, things changed and you came back to the United States and you made some decisions in your career. And we were blessed because you decided that you were going to do some of the community calls. Are you still doing these community calls now that you're in Ireland? Yeah, absolutely. I I think I probably wouldn't have discovered the community calls if I hadn't been staying with my parents unemployed (laughs) and a little desperate for entertainment. I taught writing and literature at a university in Dubai for six years, and I gave notice in January of 2020 that I would finish out the academic year and then leave in July. And I thought, okay, great. This gives me five, six months to find another job. Everything's going to be fine. But like everyone in the world, my 2020 did not go as planned. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I did not find another job. And um, I was staying with my parents and my mom told me about the ACB community calls. So I started a couple of book groups and definitely packed them with me when I came to to Ireland because uh, it's such a great community. I certainly could not leave it behind. Yeah, I know that we get lots of people sharing and talking about your book clubs. And that's when I was in one with when you did Georgette Hare, one of my favorites. (laughs) I think we're going to do another one of hers over the summer. Actually, we were thinking about doing something a little lighter. So yeah, come back. Okay. (laughs) All right. So back to you, Kathy. And I'm in her disability studies book club. So we're both fans of Tabitha. Yay! And I really enjoy that one. We have a lot of fun in there and we keep exploring all sorts of different books in that one. So keep an eye on the ACB community schedule for those fabulous book clubs. She does a great job leading those and she has quite a following. Tabitha, we really appreciate your service to us in leading those book clubs. It's an honor. I you know, couldn't do it if people didn't come. And I have made some some really great friends through it. So it's, it's been a wonderful experience. We'll come back to the book clubs in a moment, um, because that's a big part of what we're going to talk about today, related to book clubs and reading. You're a very unique book club leader, because you're not only a writer, but as you mentioned, a professor of writing and literature. How cool is that? <laughs> I've had the opportunity to read a good deal of the book that you wrote about conduct manuals. It's a powerful book because you reveal the source of information, one of the significant sources, it would seem, of written information for women's socialization over the years. I appreciate that you also wrote the book in a way so that readers don't have to be an expert or a specialist in the field to read it. That's not easy for us professors to do, (laughs) but I think you did a really good job of it and and appreciate that you tried to write it for a larger audience. Very briefly, what are conduct manuals? I didn't know them by that title before I met you. And what do they tell us about our experience as women today, Tabitha? Oh, that is not a brief answer. I'll try so hard. I wrote an entire book answering that question. I know. The easy part of the answer is conduct manuals. Um, They are books that tell people what to do, how to behave, how to be good. They're different from etiquette books. A lot of people, when I talk about conduct manuals, think I mean etiquette books, but they're actually 
two separate genres. Etiquette books are more about social rules at public functions and how to behave at a wedding or a funeral or a christening or something like that. And conduct manuals are much more inward focused, how to be, especially if you're a woman, meek and pious and chaste and modest and cheerful. Um, You're always supposed to be modest and cheerful for, for most of the history of conduct manuals. I only looked at 700 years in my book. Only. Only um, 700. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the world has been telling women what to do for a lot longer. It seems to be one of the favorite hobbies of the world. <laughs> is tell women that whatever they're doing is wrong. So I only looked at 700 years. And I think it's a it's just a fascinating history because it's both you know, kind of depressing because it's really just a catalog of restrictions and limitations that are being imposed on women without any rational justification. But it's also really inspiring because we can see what women have achieved despite those limitations. And I think it gives us hope for the future that we can keep pushing against those things and continue to progress closer to actual equality in every way. Absolutely. It's really fabulous because she goes through these different sources as you read along and, and it is available in Kindle now. And so you can find it on Amazon and Kindle. And, and also on Audible. It's an audiobook. I'm trying to get the NLS to accept it as a gift so far. <laughs> I'm willing to give it to them. I don't think they've taken taken Blackstone audio up on it yet. I do want it to be as accessible to as many people as possible. So I'm I'm working on that. We appreciate that because it is an unusual way to study women's history mm-hmm. and where we are today and the roots of these perspectives and ways of looking at women and the the expectations of us within this culture. It's primarily Western culture, right? Yes. Yes. I, um, I, I felt like partly because of, you know, word limits, (laughs) I I needed to, to set myself some parameters. So I only look at Britain and America Um, And I also just felt culturally that I was not equipped to go over and talk about cultures that I'm not a part of and assess, you know, their rules. I do only attend to to American and and British conduct. So so we'll leave volumes two, three, and four for people from those cultures to to spell those out for us. There we go. Well, Um, yeah, let the the experts do the work and I will look forward to reading them. Yes, yes. So let's switch over to reading for writing. And the reason, one of the reasons that we developed this topic and reached out to Tabitha was that many of our very famous guest authors, when we asked them, what are things that we should do as writers to develop ourselves and our craft? They say, read, 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 read. (laughs) And you really need to be a reader in order to be a writer. As we've talked to people and talked among ourselves, we realize that maybe many of us don't know exactly what that means as far as we know what it means to read, but what sort of questions should we be asking when we do read that will help us benefit from what we're reading and benefit the work that the author did, but then also help us pull it apart and benefit from it as writers to help us improve our writing. And that's what we're tapping Tabitha to help us discuss that. What are some of the questions we can ask as we read to help us analyze what the author is doing? So what would you say, Tabitha, where would we begin to dig deeper 
in what we're reading or listening to? I mean, this is such a great topic. Because obviously, I told all my students that they, they need to do the same thing, whether they wanted to be professional writers or not, just to improve their essay writing, they needed to do more reading. And it can feel sort of intimidating, you know, it sort of feels like you're getting homework now, you know, <laughs> where like, we're telling you, go read all these books, it can be kind of overwhelming. And I think you can really start with a super basic and it seems superficial, but it isn't really, you can start by asking, well, what do I like about this book? What didn't I like about this book? And then you just keep asking yourself more questions about every answer that you come up with. So if you if you ask yourself, what did I like about this book? And you say, mm, the characters, they were really vivid. They were realistic. I felt like I've known them all my life. I loved them. Okay, great. Why? What did the author do to make them so vivid and realistic and, and easy to get to know? Was it the way that they talked? Was it the dialogue? Was it the physical descriptions? Was it the way they interacted with each other? So you just can kind of go through any aspect of the novel, asking yourself what I liked, what I didn't like about it, and then asking yourself why you liked or didn't like that. So if it was the plot structure, if it was the language, if you know, maybe this author used too many adjectives, maybe they didn't use enough adjectives. And all of those little things you can tuck away for yourself as a reference point to know, hey, I don't like reading stuff with too many adjectives. So when I write, I need to make sure that I'm not overloading people with adjectives because they might have a similar reaction. And then, you know, because I was a professor and we can't resist giving you homework it's a good idea to keep a book journal. <laughs> if you are reading with this intention of, you know, doing that kind of breakdown and that kind of analysis, you might have a better memory than I do, but don't trust yourself to remember everything. If you're reading a lot of stuff, just keep a little record and write little miniature book reviews for yourself and, you know, kind of keep track of, of what are these things that you're noticing and, and that you think are things that you might want to make sure you do in your own writing or things that you want to avoid in your own writing. That's an excellent one. I hadn't thought of the book journal per se, but I noticed that I'm starting to take some notes and mm -hmm. compile a list. I'm working on a sci-fi novel and I'm starting yes. to compile a list of things about sci-fi novels yes. that I want to be sure I don't do mm -hmm. or well, be I sure actually... that I do do. Yeah, I know. I was going to use you as an example, actually, <laughs> because I know <laughs> that you've been been working on this. It's particularly important, you know, whenever you're writing to publish, you are entering a conversation that already exists. You are making a contribution to a conversation that's going on. And if you think about it, you know, when you join a Zoom call or you walk into a, a room, you don't just immediately start talking you you wait a minute, you see what's going on. And it's the same way when you are writing and hoping to publish something, you need to know what's going on out there before you release <laughs> your thoughts into the wild. So if you're writing your sci-fi book, of course, you've been doing a ton of reading in sci-fi because you need to know what are the conventions, what are the, the tropes, what are the characteristics, the hallmarks, what makes a sci-fi novel a sci-fi novel? And as you know, what are some things that make a bad sci-fi novel <laughs> so that you can avoid those things? Very, very good. Yeah, I use that illustration a lot with my students mm -hmm. as well, entering a conversation. Mm -hmm. And we can kind of get that idea easily when we think about like we had the, the editors of newsletters on a couple right. weeks ago. 
that's a conversation going on in the newsletter for if it's CCLVI or ACB, dots and dashes, whatever it is, what's the nature of that conversation? And I had somebody tell me early in my career, go to the library. And this was back when we actually went and sat in the library and pulled down <laughs> copies of journals, right? Yes. So now you, would do it now you would do it electronically. <laughs> But browse through articles in the journal or newsletter or whatever you want to publish in mm -hmm. and see what is the, quote, conversation like. Mm -hmm. yeah. How formal is the language? What, mm -hmm. in our case, what kind of research? But what is the yeah. formality? What mm -hmm. type of articles do they publish, et cetera? Yeah. And so you could do it on a newsletter basis. You could mm -hmm. do this for submitting articles to a journal I want to put out a short story to a sci-fi magazine. Yeah. I don't usually read sci-fi magazines or journals, Tabitha. I've got to go do my homework first. Yeah. And one thing that we do in academia is we do a lit review. We read the literature around the topic that we're writing. So, you know, we know where our article or our book is going to fit in. And you can do this as a, a non-academic retire genre, you know, like sci-fi or romance or fantasy or, or whatever, or if it is a specific publication, a newsletter or a magazine or, or something that, that you want to submit to, um, just knowing what else is, is out there, what are people talking about and in what way are they presenting their information and um, how are, is there a conversation? Are there connections? Are people responding to other things that have been written? It's actually, I don't know if it sounds like a lot of work, but it's actually a lot of fun, I promise. <laughs> Exactly. Especially if you're drawn to a particular genre, then that's probably the genre you enjoy reading. So you've already been doing it. You just maybe have not noticed that there's a certain style of conversation. And that's what we're trying to bring to your awareness. That's really great advice. Thank you. And what about digging deeper? Once you've gone through those basic structures of a book, you know, and you talked about plot structure and language, etc., what about digging deeper? What would you say would be some ways to improve our writing and appreciation of books? Where would we go next? But I do think just reading with intentionality and just reading with your brain engaged so that you are really consciously looking for things. And this can be work. It can be fun, almost always fun, but it does take effort. So, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you might want to just comfort read and, and not necessarily turn your brain on but it does take kind of you know reading with intention and just actively looking for those things and you know sometimes after we finish a book we think okay what did I like or not like about this and being a slightly more active reader is kind of asking yourself all of those questions as you go okay what is the and you might do it you know, maybe after every chapter or maybe midway through a chapter you might notice where the chapter breaks happen I sometimes I don't know if you've noticed you know, particularly in uh, in mystery novels right they always like to leave you on a cliffhanger after every chapter so <laughs> I will sometimes you know like if I need to go to bed or something I will stop reading in the middle of a chapter because <laughs> it's, it's easier to stop reading in the middle than it is <laughs> at the end. Um, and that gives you an idea of pacing. So if you're thinking about outlining or structuring your book, where do you want your cliffhangers to be? Do you want people to be able to put down the book at the end of a chapter and walk away? Or do you want them to just stay up past their bedtime? But just really actively looking out for those things. What is, how are these characters interacting? Okay, they just finished. This character was just introduced how was this character introduced? Had we heard about this character before? 
just kind of keeping your eyes, ears, fingertips open for kind of almost every little thing that happens. And again, making notes, if you're really trying to do an analysis, a study of this thing, you really do want to keep track as you read, and then you can kind of go back and see how it all coalesces. That's really excellent. The other thing is, and and you're alluding to this, but, but I'll draw it out more specifically is you don't have to use these techniques for a whole book or a whole chapter. You can say, oh, here's a dialogue section. Let me see what they're doing with the dialogue. Or who was it? I think it was Craig Johnson. It was talking about recently when we interviewed him, the chorus of voices, and he tries to make each voice distinctive. Is this author doing that? How do I, without seeing so-and-so said, would I be able to tell by the words that this was a particular character in this story or not? Also, the word choice. I noticed I love Asimov, and you know he wrote his books in 1950s. So the allusions to science and tech are really dated, but also sometimes his vocabulary. If this man says sardonic one more time in his (laughs) books, I am going to throw a book. You're right. Like the more that you read of an author, you can sort of pick up on their little quirks sometimes. Like I just finished a book where, you know, she started it out trying to be sort of clever in the way that she broke up her sentences when she was saying that somebody said so I think Caroline said that Iris will be home soon um rather than saying Caroline said I think Iris will be home soon Ah. and so (laughs) but then it just became like this tick you know it's just like every couple (laughs) sentences and so you know I wanted to well did not want to turn it into a drinking game because I would have been under the table in a few pages because I I got to the point where I could predict when she was going to break up, you know, break her her line of dialogue. So if I ever start writing fiction again, I am not going to do that. You know, that is something that I'm tucking away in my head to be careful of, not to try to be too clever. And of course, you know, when it comes to stuff like word repetition, we can totally cheat and just do a, a search in our you know, exactly. our word processing program and make sure that we don't use the same word too many times, which poor Asimov and his typewriter did not have that luxury. But exactly. And that's what I was going to say, picking on Asimov, but in the 50s, he didn't have mm-hmm. that capability that we have. So it, and it's almost like when we, some of us that are older, did certain degrees with a typewriter versus now people are doing their degrees with word processors. Well, to those who more is given, more is expected. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was moving footnotes around this today, this morning when I was working on my, my essay for my human rights class. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I, that I don't have to type this. Yeah. It's just so easy. Copy, delete, paste, done, renumbered. It's great. The page doesn't run out of the typewriter and you're still typing and there's no paper, all that stuff. Some people on the call don't know what we're, can't envision what we're talking about because they never used a typewriter. God bless everyone. Okay. I want to open up over to questions, but Cheryl, you have another question we want to toss in here. Yeah, because we are talking about book clubs. And and I have a feeling a lot of our listeners are going to have this similar question is what are your suggestions for people who want to start a book club? I just got so incredibly lucky because everyone who comes to my book groups are amazing. (laughs) I didn't know anyone at ACB other than my mom before I started these groups. And so I just filled out the event planners form and sent it in and logged on and held my breath 
And what do you know, people came. (laughs) So exciting. One thing that I personally really loved about both of my groups, and I don't think this is a requirement, but I think if someone wants to start a group and is anxious about it, this might help, is that both of my groups are organized around a theme. So I have the disability reading group where we obviously read books about disability. And then I have the 18th century group where we read books written in the late 18th, early 19th century. Although we do occasionally dabble in Georgette Heyer, who is a 20th century writer, and she writes about um, the 18th century. So we, we go further afield sometimes for fun. All the books we've read in the past year and a half, except one or two have been written by women. So we also have a focus on women writers and the lives of women. And, you know, since both of the groups have that theme, it's really been fun and interesting to see the connections build over time. So if we're reading a Jane Austen novel, we hear her mention novels by Fanny Burney, and we've also read novels by Fanny Burney. So we kind of know what Jane Austen is talking about. So it's, it's fun to be able to make those connections. But I also think that just like reading random books that aren't connected could also be fun because, you know, reading is just fun. And you have some kind of questions yourself as the leader ahead of time, right? Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, okay. I, which I know is not a helpful answer. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, no, you know, I'm good. kind no, of cheating good. because some of the books that we read in the 18th century uh, group, particularly, I have either taught or written about. So I kind of already have stuff that I know about them. When I'm coming to a new book, I think I generally have questions that, that aren't really specific. I'm I'm a big fan of just really sort of free flowing conversation. Mm-hmm. So I usually will just kind of start off by asking other people, you know, what did you think? And, but I think mm-hmm. if you're starting a new group and you're a bit anxious about it, having a couple questions, whether it's about the, the different characters or the, the plot or, you know, how things are unfolding or interacting or, or even just like you said, what did you think? That's what I was kind of looking at when people want to do, is it okay to just say, what did you think? What did you like? What did you not like? I I give you permission. (laughs) Yeah, right. Thank you. Hear that everybody. She's giving all of us permission. Well, because I think that a mistake that people might make is asking sort of leading questions. Um, Right. You know, it's like, this is a a very obvious example, but isn't this character terrible? Well, maybe not everybody thought that character was terrible. And now they're going to be a little embarrassed. (laughs) They don't want to say that. So having open-ended questions that will lead to a discussion rather than, you know, an assumption that everybody interpreted something the same way or, you know, has a similar reaction to something. You want to keep your questions open-ended so that you can really foster discussion and get as many people as possible to share their ideas and their perspectives. Excellent. Thank you. Chanel? All right. First up is Jane Tolino. I'm I'm delighted with this whole conversation. One of the things I think about a lot is when describing something, what does that physical feature, whether it's landscape or a human expression, what does that do for you as a writer who doesn't see it? And I can't tell you how many physical 
expressions now don't get to turn up in my writing because who cares about his mustache really unless you're kissing them and it's in the way or whatever (laughs) so you have to be careful where you use anything I think and then another question I ask myself a lot is how much of this book and at the age I am I will start a book and read the first three or four chapters And then feel like I can skip to the last three. And if I can do that and piece together what happened between, then that book is too long. Or it's not well written, in my opinion. And then I think, okay, so what do I do as I'm writing things down now to make sure I say what I want, how I want, when I want, where I want, and that I learn to create pauses in the story. People that can create pauses that you fill in are wonderful. Thanks, Tabitha. Thank you. Those those are great comments. I thank you. (laughs) Yeah, pacing and, and description. And I think that there are books out there that don't have a lot of description. Some of the 18th century stuff we've been reading has just been kind of ridiculous with descriptions of landscapes. It's like she's trying to bring us there. But if you've never seen a mountain and, you know, a sunset and all that stuff, you just kind of don't really care. I'm, I'm partially excited. But, you know, there, there are books and writers who, who are quite sparing with their language and, you know, kind of have a more just the facts kind of approach. So I think, you know, one really important thing, as you say, is kind of finding your own voice. Um, you know, what is, what writing style is, is your own, you know, so even as you're doing a lot of different reading, it doesn't mean that you're trying to find someone to imitate, you know, you're still trying to, to develop your own voice and your own way of doing things. And next up we have Abby Taylor. Hello, uh, I am an author. And one piece of advice that I give to people who ask me of how they can improve their writing is not only to read books in your genre, but also books on the craft of writing and also magazines like The Writer and Poets and Writers. So I'm just wondering if this is something, Tabitha, that you also find helpful. Thank you. That's definitely important. I will admit that I have not done a lot of that. You know, Poets and Writers is a great resource. I've, so much of my writing the last few years has been academic a lot of my reading <laughs> um, has also been academic. I'm just now starting to work on sort of more creative nonfiction and um, hoping to finish an essay and and try to think about getting it published. And so yeah, so reading in, I'm kind of doing that lit review for myself, reading, you know, possible publication um, avenues and and reading, as you say, the, the craft of writing, especially one thing that I'm worried about is I kind of you know, leave academia is making sure that I don't sound too academic. (laughs) And I think, yeah, just reading a variety of genres as well. You know, if you intend to enter a conversation in a specific genre, then yes, you definitely want to do a good amount of reading. So you understand what the conventions are, but yeah, never limit yourself to that. You know, I never really thought of myself as a sci-fi person and I haven't done a lot of reading in sci-fi but sometimes it's it's great to leave your comfort zone and I have read a bunch of Isaac Asimov and I really enjoyed him and I read some Connie Willis and I think she's amazing yeah kind of leaving your comfort zone sometimes can spice things up a bit I've shifted from academic writing a long career in academic writing and now I'm shifting to fiction 
And Abby, one of the first things I did, in addition to the sci-fi reading I've been doing for 15 years, is that I picked up a couple of books on writing sci-fi. I had the mechanics of writing down and the skill of that, but writing fiction is very different and writing sci-fi. And I looked at books on both of those areas, but also those books told me to go back and read and analyze the books of the genre as well. So I think there's a complementary relationship here that's really fruitful. Thank you for bringing that point up. And next we have Carol Mackey. Oh, thank you. This is so interesting. I always come on this call, but I thought, oh, well, okay, I'll show up. Wow. First of all, I wanted to mention, I didn't realize that you were the leader of the 18th century book club, but I just got, as a result of reading through that description in the ACB list, the two books on governesses, because that just intrigued me. I'm so, so glad. Much. I, I uh, hope you'll join us on Sunday. Well, I may have to do that. (laughs) The other thing is I was really interested in your, at the very beginning, talking about conduct. I immediately think, okay, wait, conduct, etiquette, culture, how do you separate those all out? But it was very interesting to me that that was, that that's the breakdown and how there's so many parts of that. I could go in five different directions and I'll bet you wanted to. Yes. So I wondered how how you did it. Uh, and the other the other quick question I would have is uh, when I'm reading a book and I don't and I read a whole variety of different kinds of genres and all kinds of things. But when I get into a book that I don't want to finish, I'm not quite that disciplined that I continue and finish or nor do I analyze why I don't want to finish it. I just put it aside. So I've got so many other books I want to read. So. I just wanted you to, if you can, address that little bit too. So thank you. And obviously I could talk about my book all day, but I will not. I mean, I guess, you know, when I started writing it, I was really focused on conduct manuals and I didn't even really think about etiquette books until I started encountering them. And they didn't kind of exist until the 19th century. Everything before that was really, for women at least, I might There are books for men and conduct books actually originated as courtesy books, which told men how to behave at court in order to get ahead. But I was much more interested in in the conduct books for women. So that's what I focused on. Yeah, they, they were all sort of inward looking. And then when I got to the 19th century and I started coming up in my library searches with etiquette books, I had to kind of figure out that difference for myself. I couldn't find anybody else, any other writing that had broken that down, literally just sat down and thought. (laughs) And I guess you kind of did my own lit review, you know, okay, what are the characteristics of a conduct manual and what are the characteristics of the etiquette book? And that structuring the the book was a lot of work, but it came out all right in the end. Yeah. Stopping a book because you can't get into it because you don't like it. I mean, yeah, life's too short. (laughs) You know, there was no reason to plow through books that you were just absolutely bored by. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you might want to spend a few minutes thinking, okay, what is it about this? Was it just badly written or the character's not interesting? Is it predictable? But yeah, sometimes you just want to give up and walk away and go on to a good, reliable Agatha Christie or something. I'm with you on that. Next up, we have Marlene. I thought you were going to talk about how writers could find book clubs to connect with. Are you talking about like a book club specifically for writers, like in which you read books about the craft of writing? Obviously, Writing Works Wonders is a fantastic resource. Anyone who's interested in writing, I think, would benefit from joining any sort of book club. Marlene, are you thinking about 
how writers can connect with book clubs to be a guest? I meant for writers to connect with book clubs as a source of revenue. Yeah, that, that's a whole other way to look at this topic. Absolutely. And so that would come under marketing. And the way that I would suggest that is pursued is through my website and having a page dedicated to speaking engagements or even book clubs, and then listing the information on how to get in touch with you. Cheryl calls it back of the room sales. When you're invited to a book club or an event to talk about your books or do a reading, that you bring X number of books with you and include in that that you set up a table and you have books where you can sell them and sign them for people. I've done that at many events, especially when I was a keynote speaker. I'd bring the titles that were related to what I was speaking about and include in my contract that they'd have a table set up for me to be able to sell books. Right. And somebody would come along to staff the table during the conference. Pam Johnson. Pam, you may unmute. Hello, Hello, this is Pam. Hello, Tabitha. I was wondering, do you have a uh, particular book you've ever read that was so inspiring you wanted to write one with the same kind of flavor and to give you the same feeling afterwards? Oh, that is such a great question. I love that. I'm actually a fan of sort of like mid 20th century novels written by women that are sort of pleasant. They're not too hard. They're not too depressing. They might be a little melancholy. So one of my absolute favorite books is Excellent Women by Barbara Pym, P-Y-M. And it just spoke to me in a lot of ways. And I would, I would love to be able to write that kind of book. It's just this, I mean, it would be quite different because this is like a post-war London. <laughs> it's just like this little slice of life. And it's just a few months in, in this woman's life. It's, well, it's a well-told tale. If I ever return to fiction, that that is what I aspire to. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Tabitha. This has been really great. I have really loved appreciate it. you being here. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's you. been an absolute pleasure. And how can people contact you? I do have a website set up for my my book groups. Um, oh, good. So it's it's called invisiblebooks.wordpress.com. And so the, the reading lists, reading schedule, and the history of, of what we've read for both book groups is up there. And there is also a contact me button, something like that. So if you did want to, to email me and say hello, you would be more than welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And next week's prompt is going to be, I was driving across the bridge and I saw a rainbow. So I dot, dot, dot. If some people can't relate to that, just write about a rainbow. Uh, so I'm driving across the bridge and I see a rainbow. So I dot, dot, dot. Finish that in 50 words or less. Kathy? Thank you, everybody, for making this another amazing episode of Writing Works Wonders. And thank you especially to Dr. Tabitha Kenlin for your insights and your permission that you gave us today to go on and multiply with book clubs and also to put down books that we're not interested in and move on with our life and our reading and the terrific suggestions you gave us on how to look at our books in new ways to improve our writing and our enjoyment of our reading as well. It's been a fun-filled day and it's been such a pleasure to connect with you. We know our listeners have enjoyed it 
Thank you for all of our questions from our participants. Don't miss next Friday, March 25th, is National Poetry Month. And we will have an open discussion about why we love poetry and how we write it and read it. And April 1st, yes, it's April's Fool's Day. So come and join in, of course, a round robin. What else would be fun for April Fool's Day? <laughs> be sure to visit writingworkswonders.com. The prompt for today was to write in under 50 words about being a part of an open mic. First up, we have Musi. Okay, here it is. I felt like a part of a tribe, and we were at a storytelling celebration. The sound of the human voice reaches my ears, and I feel the heartbeat of the entire earth. The computer-generated voice has no heartbeat, like real people reciting their own words. I ease into my easy chair and listen with a grateful heart to the words of my fellow tribe members. <laughs> That's it. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and next up, we have Jane Tolino. Open mic, mouth, jaws, sounds roll out. They're supposed to. Sounds roll out. No, no, I am scared spitless. Open mic. Here I go. Let me tell you a story. Mother, father, sisters, brothers, children, friends. Let me tell you a story. The end. Thank you Thank so you. much, Jane. Pamela Johnson, you may unmute. It was a nice night. And right before I took a flight, I decided to go on a hike. I changed my mind and went to open mic. What I spoke about was going among the stars, floating up to Mars, thinking how glad I am who I am, and also shining with a lot of refining. And every time I think about travel in space, I have a real funny face, because then I started thinking about space stations. And that made me feel really full of elation and jubilation. And as I have the open mic time, it's way better than a pie made out of lemon and lime. Thank you, Pia. <laughs> Thank you. That was Thank great. Thanks. We've Thank got to transcribe you. that one. We've got to transcribe <laughs> <you>. that. <laughs> oh, love it. Thank you. Thank and you. next, Marlene. Oh, that is absolutely beautiful. I love it. You've got to put that on a, up on your on your page. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I cannot follow that one with it. <laughs> Good. Well, go ahead if you'd like to. I will try it. Okay, this is prose. And it says, it's open mic remissed. I had practiced day and night, headset in place, volume unmuted. I was ready to read my anecdote live. I opened my mouth, nothing came out. Ignoring the tickle in my throat, I tried again, no sound. Later, the mirror revealed puffy eyes, swollen neck glands, laryngitis, the end. Thank you, Marlene. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Writing Works Wonders. 
Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. A tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show. You can also tap on the link for writingworkswonders.com. It'll take you directly to all the show notes and information that we shared today. Then you can sign up to receive the Zoom link so that you can be live with us when we are recording. You can also contact us at info at writingworkswonders.com. Our phone number is 347-467-0221. We also have a donate button. All donations go to technical expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this podcast going. Kathy and I want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder in writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.